Yeah, I mean, I have a lot more freckles than I used to before I did band. Is that is that evidence? I think it makes you look cuter. Okay, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Hello and welcome to The Morning Block. It's the first block of the day. I'm Jake. And I'm Chris. And I founded Virtual Arts with the help of my good buddy Chris and a whole lot of other awesome people. So this is the weekly show where we answer the big, big questions about the pageantry and marching arts. And today we're tackling the question, is drum corps bad for you? Is it bad for you, Jake? I've heard it's only good for you. <laughs> well, that's what we're trying to tackle today. That's, that's, that's the question we're asking. I do have this list in front of me. Looks like some bad things. So what we'll probably do is we'll talk about some of those issues that come along with drum corps. And are they so severe that, you know, some people deal with them for the rest of their lives? And is that an issue? Yeah. Let's find out. Hey, Jake from the future here, which is technically still the past for you. Just reminding you that tomorrow is December 1st, which means Virtual Indoor comes out tomorrow. There's three different ensembles, winds, guard, and percussion, each doing their own amazing show. And if you want to be a part of it, you can sign up in the month of December. Okay, thanks. Back to the show. We all know that doing band is just as fun as it is strenuous. Chris and I took a deep dive into some of the aspects that make marching a summer of DCI bad for you. Let's get to it. All right. Um, so first one that I have here uh, is uh, potential for skin disease, uh, melanoma, skin cancer, that kind of stuff. Um, we don't have a lot of data on this. There's not a lot of longitudinal studies <laughs> that we, we did look for a little bit, but there's just not enough uh, big picture data. There's not enough people who have done drum corps. There's no studies being done on this, but we can assume that getting tan for pretty much every hour of the day that you could get tan for three months. Like you're up at sunrise and you're still rehearsing when the sun goes down. So like every minute of sunlight you can get in a day on uh, so many parts of your body, <laughs> you know, people in drum corps don't wear a lot. Um, you're definitely getting, and people come back super bronzed um, and thinking maybe this is not good for you at some level. Um, I know people wear sunscreen in the beginning. Chris, did you wear a lot of sunscreen in drum corps? So I was a huge sunscreen person because I burn very easily, but I marched with a lot of people. Um, one I'm thinking of was my center uh, marimba player back in 2011. He was of the he was of the impression, like, I'll burn the first week, and then I'll be fine. And I was like, that's a bold move. But it worked for him. There were some people I marched with who never sunscreened. I had to, or else, you know, I, don't, I mean, like, it would have been bad. Also, for the record, just because you don't burn does not mean the sun isn't harming you. Listen up, people of marching age, and you too, staff, wear sunscreen. Yeah, it, de it depends on your skin type. Yeah. A lot of people, for sure. Yeah, I saw a lot of people, I mean, season-ending sun poisoning. Oh, yeah, like, I didn't even think about that, yeah. Got it in the first first three days, and just they're, they're in the dorms miserable for two days, and then, you know, the core's like, hey, like, you're done. Like, you can't be out. We can't allow you to rehearse. You can't be learning the show. You're behind now. We have, a, like, a slew of alternates, so sucks. Yeah, so, so how do we fix this, Jake? Because the, the initial problem is drum corps is always going to happen during the summer. It's always going to happen during right. the hot months. And do outside. We, yep. Do we encourage staffs to avoid the afternoon block being outdoors? Because that's when they say, like, when you go out to the beach, they tell you to not suntan during the peak of the day. Do it during the morning. Do it in the evening. 
Did you know that most weather apps show you the UV index? The scale is one to 11. When the UV index is one or two, you probably don't need sunscreen depending on your skin type, but anything above that is when you get into sunburn mode. We linked a chart in the show notes for you to check out if you want. Do we do that? Do we discourage the Southern tour? I don't know. I see, see, this is... Nah, I feel like Texas the sun is just as potent in Minnesota as it is in Texas. Maybe the temperature is different, but like the UV... Because like you can get sunburned like snowshoeing, you know? Like it doesn't... Mm-hmm. Ha- you don't have to have heat to get sunburned. It's a That's true. common thing. It's like, oh, it's, it's hot out. It's not hot out. It doesn't really matter. It's like, does the sun exist? I, it would be probably encourage encourage members to use sunscreen that's what i was gonna say like maybe it's like more of a requirement than it is like i i go to a dermatologist once a year to make sure that i don't have this melanoma stuff like that's it's kind of runs in my family it's like semi-genetic i'm not a doctor i don't know a lot about it we're actually going to talk to an actual doctor uh, on this episode we're going to have elliot cleveland come on and, and chat about some of these things and correct all of our, our our silly things that we're saying that aren't medically right um but i go to a dermatologist and he was like, oh, you have the type of skin where you'll tan, but you have to burn to tan. And I was like, man, he really does know. Cause that is, that is true. That is what had to happen. Like I would wear sunscreen. I'd still get burned a little bit. It would always result in tan. And then I would like use less over the course of the summer. Cause like mm-hmm. I wouldn't burn anymore. Cause I had like a, a base coat, I guess. Um, I don't know if that's even, if that's even right, but that's like what I did and what uh-huh. a lot of us did. I was saying that drum corps need to pitch themselves to the sunscreen industry as look at, because everyone, once we come back from drum corps, everyone is so amazed with our tans. Yeah, and if you we look could, so different. Your hair is so blonde. You're so dark. Mm-hmm. So if we could become the poster children for sunscreen, like, hey, Banana Boat. Banana Boat, if you're listening, hit us up. Drum corps need to start, start pitching to Banana Boat. And to, you know, I can't think of any others. Oh, Coppertone. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, is that your go-to brand? I don't know that many sunscreen brands. All right. So skin cancer or just skin issues, sun poisoning, all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, next uh, is dehydration slash overheating. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we've all seen it happen. Not that this doesn't happen yep. in other sports, too, but, like, people will go down and have to sit out. Yep. I was about to say, you, you definitely... Every person who's marched has a story. Every person who's taught has a story. You know, I, I distinctly recall carrying some members um, off the field whenever I was teaching. Um, Physically, and, like you yeah. picked up a human. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. It was a it was a small Rough. little guard girl, and you know, Oof. we we I won't say where it was or any of any more details than we we we're definitely asking her like, did you drink water today? And she's like, no. We're like, well, there's problem one. What? <laughs> <laughs> it was moving. So like, and it was, it was definitely her first time doing drum corps. And no matter yeah. how many times you give the speech, if people are young enough or they haven't been in heat before like that, they don't understand how to hydrate. So some of this would probably be more educational purposes. Um, I mean, everyone knows drum corps, they pretty much just yell at you, you know, hydrate or dihydrate, things like that. But like, it's a great, honest, great slogan. It is It is a good one, but an honest, like, okay, let's get serious for a second, three-minute conversation about hydration. You got to start drinking water today to be hydrated tomorrow. You know, that's what we would always talk about when we talk to our Equinox kids about the winter season, you know, dehydration sneaks up on you really fast too. So we tell them, you know, it's Friday, tomorrow's going to be a tough day, drink a lot of water tonight if you want to make it through tomorrow. And a lot of people get behind on their water intake Sure. And they just and, and and at some point in time when you're in the afternoon block and you're all you're going in dehydrated, you're you're behind the eight ball. You're you're not going to make it. So 
that's a little bit more education purposes. And then this is where the argument could be made, you know, do we do the Southwest tours anymore? Um, no, but Texas loves drum. Like, that's the problem. There's like, there's, there's so many shows in, mm-hmm. in Texas that are packed. Like there's so many fans there. Oh, so I know. many of the members come out of Texas. That would be tough to not do unless you're saying the Alamo Dome is. I, I think that's the problem is I, I can't in good faith say that. I'm also, you know, I'm a little bit of an old school drum corps guy where I'm like, you know, Texas tours, what separates the men from the boys and the women from the girls, you know, like sure. you got to get through it. You got to get through it. And then if you're, if you're some real ballers, you go through swamp tour in Louisiana, you know, like, mm, which is and arguably worse. It, it depends oh on gosh. the year. It's but. horrible. So drum corps international DCI does do some good things about this. Cause I had experienced in 2012, my first rehearsal, um, being canceled. Uh, we were out in Arizona and the temperature spiked to 120 and for the, for the afternoon and we were told by our staff like at 11 a.m they're like so we have to shut down rehearsal in the next 30 minutes and i'd be like i'm there let's do it inside i know it was kind of fine they were like so we're not well no they just they they said no rehearsing one of the other things i've seen that uh staffs have started to do is they have they have one staff member dedicated to have a timer on his phone for like every 15 minutes to alert the box in terms of ensemble and let the box yeah. know via walkie-talkie, like, "Hey, we are due for we're due for water," you know. In the We've next done that at a, a couple of the places I've taught as well, a couple of the different the, drum corps. And, when it gets above a certain temperature, like at this temperature, this is what we have to do. These are the mm-hmm. rules or whatever. Because I've I've been in the box before. I've been running rehearsal. You definitely forget about water breaks. You're you're in the you're in the mode of you know, got to improve the show, got to clean the show, and that's just one thing that often slips the mind. And so, things are being done to help, but I think. The one thing would be just to continue to educate the members. A lot of a lot of the good things about drum corps, you learn individual responsibility, and dehydration is an individual's responsibility. Of like, you have to continually drink water until it almost hurts. You know, right. it's crazy how much water we go through in a day when you're doing drum corps. Sure. All right. Next one: joint issues, knees, hips, ankles, etc. What's your experience with with this, Chris? Marching Phantom Regiment. Um, so I, I should I should clarify. Some people get mad when I say I marched. I technically was in the front ensemble, so I didn't march. <laughs> you stood still and played marimba. At, Whatever. At okay. Yeah. 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 It's fine. So I never experienced this, but apparently there was a there's a technique that the Phantom Regiment uses with their straight legs that, if not done properly, or it happened more significantly with females than it did with males, you had horrible, horrible hip issues like. I think right. one person shattered their hip or pelvis one season. Not to mention some of the, you know, loads that you're also carrying can also create those issues. So that's that's been my experience with it. Do you have any stories of that? I, uh, just that everyone was injured all the time. <laughs> yeah. And especially when I'm, I'm teaching, like, you can do all the things right. And I think it's, it's a lack of, like, preparation. Like, you go from mm-hmm. not exercising or not you, a lot of people went from not exercising to exercising like eight to 12 hours a day. And it wasn't like what the things they were doing were crazy. It just like their body had no period to ramp up. Like if I go from not running to running eight miles a day, my joints are going to protest. Like you have to spend time developing the tissue around the joints and working the muscles that move the, you know, it's, there's so many things that go into it. Um, and I think it's just the shock of nothing to all day <laughs> we're doing something uh, that makes tons of issues for people. So I would say the, the solution is is one of two things or, or both things is a lot of preparation going into move-ins or mm-hmm. 
or starting and move-ins with a gradual increase instead of an all-in on day one type deal. Absolutely. Okay, uh, next one, um, spine problems for heavy instrument players. Looking at you, contras, quad players, bottom bass drums, uh, timpani players from back in the day. (laughs) Uh, Anyone who had (laughs) an instrument that was a lot of weight, um, just a lot of compression for a a lot of time. Uh, this can even be bad in WGI on the weekends when you're wearing a drum all weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly can cause issues later in life. And I just anecdotally know some some friends and people that I've marched with who still like have to go to a chiropractor and have issues um, because they just played quads for three or four years. Yep, uh, uh, we we know we know pretty much the same people here, Jake. I know I know a couple of quad players who uh, it seems like quads are always the ones. Um, granted, we're both percussionists, so we don't. I'm not, uh, you know, on extremely close with a bunch of contra players, but I know a lot of quad drummers have spine problems um, years after they march. And we're not talking like two or three, we're talking like five to seven to nine years. They're still like, yeah, my spine, you know, spine's messed up because I had to carry those things for so long. And and, and it's not always, you know, people weighing 180 to 220 that are carrying these things. You know, they some some of them are very small people that are that are carrying these and yeah and and i think that might be part of the solution like if you're a very small person maybe maybe play a different instrument i don't know like i i don't have a great solution to this other than ramp up like the stability muscles in your lower Mm -hmm. back and that kind of stuff um and and wear them more and more often instead of kind of all in all at once but if you're a, a smaller person and like the ratio of your weight to the quads weight is not good like i i don't know how you prevent damage (laughs) can you prevent damage so it's just one of those things that i think one of the ways we help this is we try to find ways i mean thankfully the industry gets better every year you know drum companies figure out better ways to make things lighter they find um you know better techniques for machining and things like that i think we try to make these instruments lighter we and then we encourage you know a lot of cores are starting to get physical trainers getting them to teach the people who carry these heavy instruments. Here are some exercises you need to be doing and you need to be telling them to do them in November. So they have six, right. six months, you know, of prep. And then when they come into our combine, they're killing it, right? Because we're, yeah. doing, the, we're <laughs> the doing the combine. combine. If you haven't listened to episode one of this podcast, it's pretty good. Go it's, listen to it. I liked a, it. It's a really fun one. So you should, you should listen to it so you can at least get that joke. Um, but yeah, I yes. think... I think that has to be the solution. Uh, next one is lack of sleep. Um, for me, this is kind of twofold. So it was not that I didn't get my eight plus hours of sleep or whatever. It's that the sleep that I had was not great. Like you're upright on a bus seat and I'm kind of a tall, lanky person. So I didn't mm-hmm. fit super well in my bus seat. And worse than that, at two to four in the morning, depending on when you get to the next housing site, you have to get up. And be up, like not just like, oh, I'm going to get up for a second. Like I have to get up, grab a big heavy suitcase, grab an air mattress, walk a ways, go inflate the suitcase, maybe brush my teeth. Like you're doing enough stuff that you fully get back to awake. So instead of sleeping Mm -hmm. eight hours a night, you sleep like three to four hours twice. And the sleep that you do get for at least the first half of the night isn't quality sleep. Like you definitely not get into REM sleep. Um, and I would just remember being tired for three months. <laughs> I don't know if that was your experience. You, you know, I'm, it's crazy because I don't remember how tired I was, but I remember a couple of things. I remember after finals, 
I would go home and I'd sleep for approximately 16 to 18 hours for the next day. Like I just wouldn't get out of bed. I would get out of bed. I go to the couch and I fall asleep on the couch and I would just sleep until about 8 PM and then be like, huh, where'd the day go? So I knew I was tired. And then I remember teaching drum corps. You, you remember how tired you get just teaching drum corps. You're like, yes. how are the members handling this? Poorly. Because they do way more work. And yeah, and I think that's to your degree, it's right. We'd always have the morning blocks. You could see the sleep in their eyes. They're still, their brains aren't functioning 100%. Like they're just trying. Core directors will use the rule, two hours of bus sleep equals an hour of floor sleep. And anyone who's ridden a bus can tell you that's not true. It's Mm-mm. not nope. even close. To, it's not even close to 16 true. hours on a bus. I'm not going to be any anywhere near as rested as I'd be eight hours on a floor. Yeah. So there's that issue. And so, so they do that because whenever you get to the housing sites, as Jake says, if you get to a housing site at three in the morning or four in the morning, they don't want to let you sleep until 10 or 11 so that you get like good sleep because in their mind, that's three hours that the core could be getting better. And they want the core to get better, not just for themselves, but for you as a participant, because we always want to see the best product when we watch our final run, you know? The lack of sleep. How, how do we fix it, Jake? How do we fix it? Oh, man. I, and then, besides throwing a bunch of money and getting sleeper buses for the whole core, I have no clue. Oh Fewer my. shows, that doesn't work, because then you're losing money again. Yeah. Um, shows that are not so far apart, like... West Coast tour is like truly West Coast tour. Then you head mm-hmm. in Indianapolis. I don't know. There's, yeah. there's. This is a, a tough one that would be solved with money. Uh, the only thing that I could see doing is like letting cores get way more floor time, like guaranteeing that everyone can sleep in until noon mm-hmm. or close to it most days. I think that's the only free solution. Maybe the solution is eight hours of floor time, no matter what. If you haven't marched before, floor time is uninterrupted sleep on a gym floor, which sounds bad, but compared to bus sleep, so much better. Or what if DCI could raise money to get sleeper buses? This would mean you never even need a school gym to sleep in. You'd essentially go into schools just to shower. I really think it would result in in the lost reps too. Like, oh, we didn't get a morning block. Okay, great. (laughs) But all members are so fresh and so rested and they're not getting injured. Mm -hmm. Um, It's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, next is poor diet, which could be interpreted a lot of different ways. We'll dig into that, but mm-hmm. losing a ton of weight really fast. Like how many people like have like the body by drum core pictures or like body by drum core, you know, where you lose 60 pounds in three months. It's like, first of all, that sounds great in theory, but you cannot lose 60 pounds mm-hmm. that quickly safely. I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's like one to two pounds a week is like the super safe, like aggressively fast weight loss. That that have to be that have to be on you. I've I've never tried to lose weight. I've only tried to gain it. But um, yeah, it's that sounds about right. I mean, you can't lose. You, to your point, there have been people who have lost 30, 40, 50, 60 pounds. You know, in, in a summer, and that's that's a little alarming. That's a little too yes. much. It's um, too fast more than anything else. And they end up gaining a lot of it right back. Um, mm-hmm. But to go back to poor diet, like I, I don't want to knock on on food trucks because honestly, I, I like drum corn meals. Maybe I'm weird, but like the super like pasta rich everything that we always get, mm-hmm. I, I kind of dig it. PB&Js, I love some PB&Js, oh my, all I, the stuff. PB&J um, every day. <laughs> right, but maybe, I mean, some of it is a combination of it's expensive or difficult to prepare like really well-balanced meals with like... Mm-hmm. 
you know, protein dense things and lots of vegetables, like things like that spoil quicker. They're harder to make. They're more expensive, like any more expensive diet, uh, with some effort, it's going to be better than a cheap diet, you know, it is. Um, and, and I think there's some limitations there. So it's not really the super I, the food trucks fault. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. It's definitely not the people who work the food trucks are saints and angels. Um, they were always my favorite volunteers to work with. Um, when I was marching and the, the amount of work they do, think about how early they have to wake up. We talk about not sleeping. And how late they have to stay up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Talk about not sleeping. (laughs) Food truck people do not sleep at all because they have to, you're right. You'll get a midnight snack or we never called it a midnight snack, but snack is late. It's like an hour before bed and they're serving you snack and then they have to clean it up and then they have to wake up two hours before you wake up so they can make you breakfast. And so it's not their fault. Now, and I wouldn't even no, put they're, it on. They're making 800 meals a day out correct. of the truck. <laughs> I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even necessarily put it on the core director's fault or the people in charge because you, you kind of touched on it. These meals that are good for you, protein rich, vegetables, things like that, they spoil easily and they're expensive. So already running on shoestring budgets, food's a hard one. Though we've got to say, if we're being honest, the food now compared to the food, say, in the drum corps in the early 90s, um, significant So much difference. better. Like yep. people were getting crackers for lunch and being like, good luck, you'll be fine. Versus now, I mean... <laughs> it's calories. Versus now, there are more than a handful of drum corps that have full-time chef, like a legit, like that's their title. They hire out, they, they, they put the money in to get some legit cooks to cook the food for the drum corps. Um... And yeah, I mean, I, I loved the food that I had and I, I kind of made the joke PB&J every day, but that's how I learned to do my double-decker PB&J was in drum corps and it's the game changer. One important note, you, you can't consume calories faster than you burn them while you're running. Um, and if you're even close to that while you're out <laughs> running around the field, um, you, you basically just have to. Like the time that you have off the meal breaks, like you have got to put fuel back in your bodies. It is more about fuel, less about food. Um, but still, still an issue. Could be better. Could be better. And, I, and I, to your point, I think the only way you fix this is uh, money. We need a lot more money. This is a, a common theme we're seeing here. <laughs> and I mean... Money will solve all these problems. Who'd have thought? Next one. Um, mental health. This is kind of a, a sidebar a little bit. Um, I, I want to get your take on this because does it matter that there's not really weekends like you don't really get time off. Like, is that bad for you? Like everyone says, Oh, drum corps is tough mentally. Sure. We know that it's compared mm-hmm. to the military in that way. I have not done both, so I can't compare the two. Uh, but is it a problem that we're not getting a couple days off a week, just mental breaks? You know, I don't think weekends are the answer. I think our favorite thing about drum corps is the answer. I think free days and more free blocks are the oh, answer. I love a good, love a good free day. Yeah. It, it when we marched the blue coats, or when, when we, when I marched the blue coats, me and some others, it wasn't just me. Um, we had during move-ins one like block off a week, and we'd like go downtown to the little like local town there and like get food and hang out. It was awesome. Like it was super fun. Like mm-hmm. we got to put on normal people clothes once a week, get like clean. Like that's the other thing about drum corps. You're clean for like 20 minutes a day. Out of the 24 hours, you are you are sweaty and gross. 23 hours and 40 minutes. Uh, because you take a shower and then you load the truck or you get on the bus and you're clean for that amount of time. Then you unload the truck and get sweaty again and you're sweaty mm-hmm. until the next shower. So um, it was nice for a few hours 
to be clean. You know? Oh yeah, no, I it hits different. The uh, everyone, uh, the people who march can attest. Uh, seeing people in their free day outfits is a absolute trip. You're like, oh my gosh, you, you're a normal person now. You know, I normally right. see you in beat up shorts, barely a t shirt. It's like torn to shreds. But now you're wearing like a collar. What? Like it's it, it looks it looks so funny. But um, it's nice. It, it can be great. I, I also marched. You know, a season where. We didn't really have, we had one free day and it was in Baltimore and it wasn't good. And that was it. I remember at the end of the day being like, I'm a little bored now. Like, I don't have anything to do. Like, there's nothing to do out here. Sorry if you're from Baltimore. They're just, (laughs) if you're new to the city, you don't, and you don't have a car, there isn't much to do. Like, they dropped us off at the harbor and we were like, okay. I I watched two movies, Jake, that day. Two. It seems, it seems silly, but like sitting in a dark, air-conditioned room in a comfortable chair for three hours oh. sounds amazing. <laughs> You're oh, like, so good. I'm in. Oh, I'm going to get a drink. I'm going to go sit down. It's going to be the best day of my life. And it, it was. <laughs> it's so great. Uh, next to last here, close contact illness. Um, oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> this is topical <laughs> for yeah, 2020. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, but but pre-Rona, um, this was still a thing. Illness was still a thing back in 2019, 2018, and everything before that. Um, I didn't think about it too I much. I think it was the Cavaliers a few years ago who got some kind of a flu and missed the Atlanta regional entirely. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, they had had a friend who was teaching that snare line. I wish I could remember the year. Uh, I know it was the mid-2010s where he was just saying like, yeah, like 70 of them are throwing up, so we're not playing today. <laughs> Like, and it's true. I mean, you think about, you, you live you live with these guys. You live with these guys and girls for, you know, 150 of you in very close quarters. If you're not on the bus, you're on a floor. And if you're not on a floor, you're outside. Like, you're constantly in close contact with these people. And that means there are some illnesses that are going to spread through a drum corps. How to stop it? It's tough. Um, hand sanitizer at every meal is huge. Yeah. Uh, washing your hands after using the restroom is huge. Um, changing like your sheets and clothes and li- like things that you can change. I mm-hmm. know that's even tougher in drum corps, but um, if you have a bus seat that you have a cover over, switching that out. Of- I mean, there's like certain things. I-, I don't know. This one's tough. I-, I might need to talk to an expert about this one, but I don't know how to prevent illnesses, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you've nailed it. To be sure you pack correctly, right? So don't just bring one shirt. Bring enough to be clean between your laundry stops, and then just just to let, just just to remind people. I don't think it's going to be an issue, Jake. After Corona, um, everyone's a lot more conscious about illnesses and ways that, I hope so. that their body. If we get one thing out of this, it better be that. Yeah. So I think I think more people are going to be sanitizing and things like that. But I just know. When you feel dirty, you kind of just don't care anymore. Like we feel dirty for an entire summer, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't stop washing your hands and doing things to to make sure that you don't get sick. Or the other thing too is to make sure. How about this? Administrators for the drum corps should be taking people to doctors and to clinics when they do feel sick. My last two seasons with Phantom, they they immediately. I was just like, hey, my something's kind of feeling off. They're like, all right, get on the get on the get on the admin bus. Like they had someone going every day to a clinic to check out the members because they wanted to nip it in the bud on day one. They didn't want to wait for me to actually get full-blown sick on day seven and know that I wasn't giving 100% for those seven days. They just wanted me to, like, if I was feeling bad, that day we're going to the doctor. Okay. Last one uh, is 
random injuries. So like people getting injured while, while loading the truck or mm-hmm. just random snare drummer breaks his leg during finals, you fall off a prop, just everyday type stuff. How would you classify this, Chris? I mean, force majeure, act of God. Like <laughs> there are some things I, I know... Well, one one of my seasons, I marched. Our, our poor rat kid opened the doors to the truck, and the latch for the ramp got unlatched. I don't know how, because someone would have had to latch it in for the doors to close. So, like, I guess while right. it was the truck was moving, it like bumped enough and it moved out. Like it was just a sliding latch. So he opens the doors, and the ramp falls on his head. Boom! Instant. Ugh. Like, I mean, he was pretty concussed. You know. Um. So the, the, there are those injuries we, we had. As Jake kind of said, there was a, I think, correct us if we're wrong again. <laughs> I think it was a baritone Always. player or a euphonium player for Carolina Crown in like 2009. Broke their leg during the finals run, um, during the closer. Um, how, how do you prevent that? That's, that's, that was just happening, I guess, that day. I don't know. And then there are plenty of other injuries. Plenty of other things happen to people. Um, sure. Collisions happen in drum corps. Uh, you know, weapons. Piece hit of equipment. In the head. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say, you get clobbered with a weapon. Happens for sure. And I mean, just, we we had one day where uh, a, a a guard person threw an object into the air with the hopes to catch it. Pretty close, like way way front of the front hash. Uh, mm-hmm. And it landed in front of the front ensemble, and everyone like turned around, like, "What the f and f? <laughs> like, how, how do you miss that badly? Like, that could have been six feet less underthrown, and it would have come down on someone's head." But yes, I, it definitely happens. Let me ask you, Jake: Did you feel scared for the rest of the season during that part of oh, the show? Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> You're just like, I might die. Here. This is the part of the, the show where I could get hit, hit and die. And so, with all those things, Jake. Drum corps does kind of sound bad for you, doesn't it? Just a, just a little bit. <laughs> yes, that was all the things. There's probably more that we didn't even think of. But yeah, those, those are all the reasons that drum corps could be bad for you. Um, so instead of trying to make a decision now, we're actually going to talk to an actual doctor. Hi, everybody. Hi, Dr. Nick. Who's worked with lots of drum corps before um, and, and get some information. So a lot of you know Dr. Elliot Cleveland. Uh, we're going to talk to him uh, right after the break here. Uh, and see if we can get some more insider information. Today's show is made possible by Designs by King, home of the King Saber and the King Kong Rifle. Did you know that 98% of all world and open class WGI finalists use King products? I certainly didn't, that is a fun fact. King has been the choice of champions since 1988 and have over 200 WGI and DCI medals since then. They're used by the best groups because they make the best rifles and sabers, period. King is endorsed by Michael Gaines, Rosie Queen, Ed Devlin, Danny Wiles, Andrea Forsh, Keith Potter, Siobhan Garcia, and of course, Heather Graham. If you need a new rifle or saber, we've got a discount for you, of course. Use the code DBK10. That's DBK10 at checkout. And join the King family of users with first-time user incentives on group orders. Designs by King, y'all. And now back to the show. When I first sat down with Elliot, he asked me which factors of drum corps were the most likely predictors of injury. Turns out I don't know quite as much as a doctor who studied this for 10 years. But if I was to ask you, Jake, which one of these factors do you think is the most important in predicting member injuries? Okay. Or 
physical conditioning coming in out of shape. Sure. Poor nutrition on a drum corps tour or in okay. marching band. Extreme hours of performance and rehearsal or lack of sleep the night before. Which one would you choose? I would say extreme hours is number one. And then number two behind that has to be poor conditioning, you know, not like immediately loading your body up with extra weight and running around without having the proper, like strengthening the the tissue around the joints, all the stability exercises, the core work, like, you know, that's always lackluster. It tends to be. So those those are the top two. And then the other two behind that would be my guess. As a casual fitness enthusiast, I was pretty sure that I had nailed it. I was so confident in my answers too. <laughs> Unfortunately, I had fallen right into Elliot's trap. Okay, great. Well, you fell for it. <laughs> I did this uh, presentation at WGICon last year, and I may not be exact in my recall of the data that I sifted through, but by far the greatest predictor of injury, and I'm talking like 2.7 times the risk of everything else, was lack of sleep. Well, that's not good. <laughs> so, so what's the solution to that? Because I mean, so I sat there speculating for a minute while my pride recovered, and I basically said, "Great, if that's the problem, then what's the solution?" Here's what Dr. Cleveland said. So, I think the answer starts in spring training, and this is something we've talked about with the cores that we work with. The big mistake is that we think eight hours is this perfect number for people. Actually, in adolescents and youth athletes that number tends to be closer to nine. So we need to increase our threshold for thinking what students need to begin with. Right. And then we need to program the spring training schedule accordingly or the band camp schedule if you're a director listening to this. Because I think early on, you need to allot more time for sleep than you think you need to. Maybe that means adding in a nap block, honestly, once during that first week at least so that members can catch up probably on day two or three. Yeah, it starts to really wear you. Also, nap block sounds great. I would love a nap block. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It could be that you just give them two hours and keep your evening um, schedule the exact same and wind down the day at the exact same time, but you expand the lunch block by an hour or an hour and 15 minutes. I'm not talking about sending them off to go nap for two hours, I'm talking about giving them a power nap. Because if a, if a member can go take a 20 to 30 minute snooze, that's going to greatly enhance their performance the rest of the day. And sure. we know, as I mentioned earlier, that sleep is going to decrease their injury risk. So you offload their medical team a little bit too and make them feel better physically. The next thing I asked was about the crazy hours. How do we take students from not being physically active much at all to 12 hours a day? I think the answer is in modifying our demands those first two weeks, and there's got to be a ramp up. We can't go in there expecting students to walk in and perform for nine hours a day right off the bat. This is for color guard, especially because they don't get a music block in the afternoon to stand still. They're moving all day long and doing a lot more physically, which I think has a huge increase in their injury rates because when you walk around the color guard, you see knee braces and KT tape all over yep. the place. It's an epidemic. And I think part of that comes from not understanding the rest to work ratio that needs to happen within that activity. Dr. Cleveland said this was only really about half the problem. And a lot of drum corps members were showing up without preparing or proper physical conditioning beforehand. The other part of that is the 
other option, which is the conditioning beforehand and making sure that we understand that these members do have to have a certain level of physical conditioning to be able to perform well and not injure their bodies and overload it. So that is definitely a big role in a lot of injuries that we see, especially shin splints. That's one of the main factors. A lot of students show up or members show up and that first or second week towards the end, they start to catch shin splints, almost like it's a virus going around. But really shin splints comes down to, do you carry excess body weight coming into the season? Do you ramp up your activity way too soon from what you had been doing? Do you have a lack of flexibility in your ankle and lower legs? And also very importantly that we haven't discussed, are you wearing the proper shoes? If you're wanting to know more about what shoes are best for marching, Marching Health actually has a YouTube video on their channel uh, with a lot of great information. We'll link it in the show notes. Thank you for tuning in to the Marching Health Podcast. We have a hot take today on shoe wear, so I'm really excited to bring this information to you. The fact is you need a shoe that fits your foot well and that fits you well. You don't need to go look for this shoe on this list because you saw it on marchinghealth.com or runnersworld.com or talk to a sales associate who's literally right. never done drum corps before. Um, you need multiple pairs of shoes during a drum corps season or a marching band season. That actually has a lower risk of injury than using one pair of shoes, which I'm sure that makes sense to a lot of people. Your shoes wear out. Jake runs marathons. He knows he's got to change shoes out. During- About every six months, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's better for you to alternate them versus trying to wear one for three months and one for the next three months. So alternating your shoes, the theory is that that challenges your muscles and your tissues in different ways than just wearing one pair of shoes does. And then the shoe doesn't wear down as quickly because there are some components to a shoe that you actually need to get the right support. I asked Dr. Cleveland, in an ideal world, how many hours a day should a drum corps actually be rehearsing? I wouldn't look at it necessarily as number of hours total. And we may not change the number of hours total at all. We may just modify and do a heavier load of music the first week and then slowly increase our amount of visual block time. Sure. Another thing I was curious about was what were the lifetime ramifications on your joints, on your spine, on everything else from drum corps? Like, are we doing permanent damage by doing this? Wearing heavy drums and doing this activity at a very high level can't be good. Okay. Not physically preparing for it. Okay. Yes. Take any athletic event or even military. You see those guys when they're training, running with bags on their back that are just as heavy as these drums, but they're preparing for it. And we call it exercise dosage, just like medication dosage. You're not going to go in with the highest dose of medication anytime that you get a new diagnosis, right? Right. That's going to cause immense side effects. Your doctor, if they're a good doctor, is going to slowly dose you into it and build up that amount over time. That's what you have to do to be able to participate in the marching arts at a high level. You can't go into this um, not being physically active. And sometimes that even means if you're going into a drum corps season, starting to do two workouts a day before you actually show up to drum corps. Sure. That's part of what we do with our preseason programming is that we get members doing strengthening in one part of the day and cardio in a different part of the day that month before showing up so that they get used to being active twice a day and their body's not, their nervous system isn't in total shock when they have to go through multiple blocks of physical activity a day. Yeah. And that's hard even if you're active. Like I love 
exercise and doing two a days is even hard for me. Like if I have to do a run in the morning and then I'll wait, like I'm slow in the afternoon. I'm like, Oh God, here we go. Or like I'm taking the dog on a run earlier and then I do my own workout later. Like that second workout, especially for someone who like has not worked out and jumping into that is still tough. Like that's a hard thing to say in April. Like, Hey guys, by the way, I know you don't work out ever, but mm -hmm. now you're doing two workouts a day or you're going to ramp up to two workouts a day over this month to prep for the right. summer. And we haven't even started yet. So now, the other aspect of this is that a lot of these members are not fully physically mature yet. They're not completely sure. done growing and building into their frames. And there are differences in what um, males and females need. So think about that color guard example that we gave earlier. And I said, mm -hmm. knee braces and KT taper and epidemic. You don't often see those on the male members of the color guard, do you? I had not thought about that, but that's true. So there's two different issues there. This is actual data. Males in adolescence tend to lose flexibility. Sure. Females tend to gain flexibility but lose strength. So the male members have strength. They're not the ones that are necessarily having to tape up and compensate for that lack of strength with bracing. The females are getting more flexible. So, um, Punk Rock Irving does some hilarious videos about lack of flexibility in the <laughs> color guard world. Coach, I, I think I broke my finger. How many other fingers do you have? Nine? That's what I thought. Get back on the floor. Okay. Uh, but if you are in color guard and you're thinking, I got to get on this stretch cycle where our instructors are always yelling at us that we need to be more flexible, you may not. You may actually need to get on the strength cycle to keep yourself healthy long term. And a lot of those injuries come from not being strong enough versus not being flexible enough. Right. And there's a big mistake in thinking that stretching is going to make you more flexible. It does it not? What have I been doing all these years? <laughs> eccentric strengthening makes you more flexible. So like I take a barbell, load it up with some stuff and put it on my back and I squat lower than I feel comfortable and let it push me down. Is, is that? Be easy there. Don't load it up just yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I'll say what 135. We're, put, we're putting 45 okay. plates on each side. And, and Precursor. Jake works out often. He can handle that load. For... People who say, I have really tight hamstrings and I need to sure. get that flexibility because that's where a lot of color guard movements exist, right? Straightening right. the leg out and creating those large angles that they're trying to match across the floor that are very powerful from a visual perspective. There's an exercise called Romanian deadlifts, RDLs, and good mornings, where you are lowering into a hamstring stretch that's taking your muscle, making it contract and lengthen at the same time. So that muscle is having to control that lengthening mm -hmm. that has significantly faster ramifications for increased flexibility than sitting there stretching does. I am mind blown. I literally never knew that. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm -hmm. My last question was about skin damage. Are we doing irreversible harm to our skin by marching drum corps? I'm more worried about the sedentary lifestyle that young people are going to have if they don't participate in these activities. That's fair. The, the ramifications of that health-wise are significantly greater than skin cancer. The skin cancer treatments are pretty solid to this point. That's a very well-established healthcare side of things. But the many, many diagnoses and pre-existing conditions that develop from a sedentary lifestyle, lack of physical activity, lack of engaging with your peers and getting community from a mental health perspective are way more detrimental to young people than worrying about skin cancer. 
That answer was surprising to me and honestly a little bit of a relief. I spent a lot of hours in the sun in the last 10 years. Our time was about up, so I decided to ask the big money question. Is drum corps bad for you? The drum corps activity has some definite physical challenges, no matter how you spin it. Any activity that you get involved in is going to have some cons to it. If you play football, you know there's a greater injury. Right. You know that you're putting yourselves out in the sun for hours. You're risking dehydration. You're also looking at concussions being an issue. If you go play soccer, your ACL risk is pretty darn high. If you go participate in wrestling, you're throwing each other on a mat. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Happen pretty often. Any physical activity that you get involved in has risks to it. I don't necessarily think that drum corps um, is or is not going to be bad for you. It's just part of the equation. Uh, You know, people get on Twitter and they have a character limit and they start just tweeting out these very simplistic ideas about the activity. But there's a lot of factors that go into every bit of this. And if you're not considering all the factors and then also what happens if you don't do this, you're really leaving out a large part of the argument and going to miss out on the activity as a whole. So there you have it. There are some things that might be bad, but not only are they getting better every year, missing out on drum corps might even be worse. Let's get back to the studio with Chris. Well, that was great. I learned a lot and I thought I knew a lot about this kind of stuff, but apparently I didn't. Um, and hopefully you learned some stuff too. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, if you agree, if you disagree, if you think it's worth it, if you think it's not. Chris, what do you think? I mean, they don't hand out those DR dots to just anyone. He he worked hard on that, right? <laughs> so No, he, he definitely did. He definitely knows what he's talking about. And especially being a part of the activity before he was a doctor really, you know, really helps that cause. I, I liked what he said about, you know, everything else also has an innate risk to it. And so the yeah, real question is, risk. you know, yeah, we were able to find all these list of things that were bad for drum corps, but we didn't even talk about all the good things that drum corps really provide for you. And that's just because everyone already knows about them and they talk about them a lot. And so it's just good to make an informed decision, you know, if the, you know, rewards outweigh the risks of drum corps. There's a risk in everything. There's a risk in driving down the road. And you don't do that sure. in drum corps, right? <laughs> you almost forget how to drive when you come back from drum corps. You oh, it's so weird. Because you don't do that. But yeah, so I think I like what he, I especially like what he said about the sleep. Because I, I, think, I think I agree with him that one of the best things I've seen in my personal training routine is the advanced sleep um, coach that I have teaching me how sleep ties so much into performance. And so improving sleep, I think, would be a manageable step for a lot of drum corps. Well, before we head out, Chris, as always, has the bop of the week. It's the song this week. That's a total bop. Chris, what's the bop of the week? So, Jake, the bop of the week this week is, uh, again, I try to mix it up each time that we have one of these. This one is going to be Freezing by Bryn Joy. And the cool thing about this one, Jake, is our editor, Caleb Lee, actually helped on this song. He did, yes. Very talented. Good job, Caleb. So everyone should support Caleb by listening to Freezing by Bryn Joy. It does bop, as the youth would say. It it does bop, (laughs) yes. It do bop. All right, Jake. Well, I guess uh, see us out. All right. 
This show is a production of Virtual Arts, Inc. and produced by Chelsea Levine, hosted by Jake Lyons and Chris Parker, uh, edited and mixed by the talented Caleb Lee, and our audio engineer is Rosa Westfall. Special thanks to today's guest, Dr. Elliot Cleveland. Uh, logo design is by Brian Harmson, and original theme music was written and produced by Jordan Turan and Josh Russell. See you all next week. <laughs>